Amen. Amen. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. The last two verses, Manabets, we are reading from the last two verses. And it was a intervention that I have here. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, someone should bring that person back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Father, we thank you for <clears throat> the reading of your word in the midst of these your people. I pray in the name of Jesus that let the word reign. Let the truth of the word be revealed to us. Let the power of the word serve us. Let the revelation of the word clarify our confusions. In Jesus' name, Heavenly Father, we receive your word with all humility and meekness. Amen. 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 I want to extend a special greeting to those who are listening online who can't be with us and we know why and I want to also extend a special greeting to Bakolo Bakereke, Leadership Yakereke, Bacha, Bomme Bontate, and everybody else. Amen. Amen. And pray with me as I talk to you about titling the restoration business. The restoration business. The restoration business. A few years ago, when I went to, I got spellbound. I got seized. I got attracted very, very strongly to reality TV. Not only the program on television, how a house used to be. And look at it now. This house was old in a state of disrepair, look at it now. So people will go take a house and restore it to its former glory. Don't change it too much. They just restore it. And then there were other programs like these, more televisioning, you must have seen them, where people take cars, old cars, restore them back to life. And they take you through a process. Cameras and everything, they follow. They take an old car from the back room, discarded, an old classic, and then they restore it. They paint it. They put new seats. They put a new engine. And they say, look at this car now. And then there would be those programs, I was not particularly keen on them, but I saw them, 
where they would take old pieces of furniture that were great in their times, especially in the Victorian times, and then they would take these pieces of furniture, restore them, repaint them, redo them, and they say, look at what it used to be like, and look at it now. Restoration. I want to tell Lukajimu from the scripture that we have read, Hormudimu is in that restoration business. But he restores lives. Not furniture, not cars, not homes. He's in the restoration business, restoring lives. And what about a little more? James says, but not only is God in the restoration business. As a matter of fact, God is co-partnering with you and I to join him in the restoration business. The scripture says, he that restores a life saves this life from death and they cover a multitude of sins. So he says, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, we must be so keen to restore this person back to the truth. Because when we do that, the Bible says we are saving their lives. And we cover a multitude of sin. I want to talk to you, Banabetsu, about the restoration business. These reality TVs about the restoration ran a long time. They ran over a decade where they show you restoration because people in their very core, people are wired to be excited to see what something that was discarded that was disregarded. What happens when this thing, which was once useless, which was once cast out, which was once counted out, what happens when it's restored to its former glory, but also to its technical functionality, where now it can work like it used to before? It is a very exciting thing. The reason why those programs ran from the US, Australia, the UK, and into South Africa is because we are all interested to see what happens when we restore somebody or something. Amen, Barnabas. So James here joins the fray and he says, let me tell you what happens during a restoration. He says, a life is being saved from certain death and a multitude of sins is being covered. Amen. So the first thing I want to share with you, Banabetsu, is that there is a need for restoration. If you're writing notes, the first point you want to make, there is a need for restoration. Amen, Banabetsu. Now, how does James start with this thing? In the King James Version, James starts off by saying, brethren. In the version I read, it's a much simpler way, airing brothers and sisters. In fact, James uses this term brethren in his whole book 13 times. Brethren, 
my brothers and my sisters. He is drawing attention to us to see each other as family. The brethren, it means my brothers and sisters, you and I are family. Hey, to our fathers, I want you to know you are not going to follow this message until you understand that you are family. Until you understand that we are family. Until you understand that we meet here not just as a church. We meet here not just as a gathering. We meet here not just as an assembly. We meet here as family. Amen. We meet here as family. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for us so that we are brothers and sisters. We are family, my name is. When you wash to come here, you are willing and yearning to see members of your family. We need to instill this thing in our children who when we come to church, we are coming to an extended family of God. We should not be obsessed with titles. Sometimes that's what's the problem with the church. We are obsessed with titles. I'm pastor, I'm apostle, I'm bishop, I'm deacon, I'm elder. No, we are family. What happened to brother, sister? Amen, Barnabas. Yes, titles are okay. They, under, they make us understand certain things. But the most important relationship we have, God, we are family. You are my brother. You are my sister. We are redeemed. We are restored. We are repaired. We have been bought by a high price. That's what the Bible says. So James starts off by saying, brothers and sisters, brethren. Because this does not apply if you are not family. If you are not family, what I'm going to say here is it's nothing. But if you are a member of a family, then this makes sense. So he says, if one of you, if one of you as a family member stray from the truth, if one of you, as a family member, stray from the truth. What does that mean, Barnabas? Jesus says in John 17, verse 17, that thy word is thy truth. Thy word is the truth. Come on, so man, if one of you stray from the word of the Lord, you as family members, you must be concerned. You as family members, you must be worried. You as family members, you must be sprung into action because a member of the family has strayed from the truth a member of the family has strayed from the word of God amen bazalon now the bible says our profession of faith must be evidenced by the fruit what we say we believe in must be evidenced by the fruit. Logo city siya kolelo. Fanelo bone. Guvezwe. Fruit. What is it? Amen, Barcelona. Now, when there is a mismatch between the profession of faith and the fruits, then there's a problem. 
Akhir pasal Certain things don't look like a profession of our faith. Adultery does not look like profession of our faith. We can't preach and be participating in adultery. We can't sing and be shaking. There is a mismatch. We can't lift our hands to God but not be able to wave to each other. There's a mismatch. I get one of it. You can't shake my hand and step me in the back. There is a mismatch. So what our faith professes and our fruit must be aligned. The Bible says if we stray in any of these things, we in other words, we are straying from the truth. I get one of it. Now the Bible says we must be interested and be concerned about anyone among the family members who is wandering from the truth. And COVID-19 has brought so much challenge in the church that we no longer see people. We don't know whether they are at home or they've wandered from the truth. But whatever it is, whenever we don't see people, we must be concerned. We must, as family members, say, hey, wait a second. Somebody has strayed from the truth and we must do something. The Bible says when we do that, we are saving them from death. When we do that, we are covering a multitude of sins. Do you know why Legion loved to live in the cemetery? Remember that guy, the Bible says he's Napilago Mabinkli. You know why? The reason why he wanted and he loved to live in the cemetery is because in the cemetery, nobody says nothing. He was naked. Nobody said nothing. He was shouting, shouting, and shouting like a crazy. Nobody said nothing because it's in a cemetery. He was cutting himself, damaging and almost mutilating himself. Nobody said nothing. There was no truth in the cemetery. Until one day the truth came and said, what can I do for you? What is your name? And the truth restored him. The Bible says, half faith, I wanted to follow Moranajah. No, 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 go back to your people. I'm restoring you back to your people. I'm restoring you back to your family. You can't be living in the cemetery where there is no truth. We need to put ourselves in a position where there are people who love us enough to tell us the truth when we are wondering. If you live among people who tell you nothing, you are living in the cemetery. You are going to mutilate yourself. You are going to be naked. Nobody's going to say nothing. And if you are living where nobody says nothing, you are not in family. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend and the kisses of an enemy multiply. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Family and friends will tell you the truth. They will wound you, they will hurt you, but that wound is what you want rather than the kisses of an enemy. Brothers, 
brethren, I'm moving from a basis of we are family. And when we are family, we'll be able to tell each other the truth. Because we all need the truth. We all need the truth. Amen, Barnabas. Now the second point, Barnabas, the first point, there is a need for restoration. Morana Jesu is the truth and the life. And the truth sets us free. The second point I want you to see, there is a process of res restoration. There is a process of restoration. Now in James, James does not say anything about how. He just tells us it's very, very important for us to restore. Paul, on the other hand, in Genesis, in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, the Bible says, if someone among you, if anyone among you is overtaken in a fall, Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Ye who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, being careful that thou don't fall into the same trap. If anyone among you is overtaken in a fall, that's what Paul says. James says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, Paul says, if any one of you is overtaken in a fall, in other words, if any one of you falls into sin, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Now, what is the process of restoration, Basama? The process of restoration says we must be careful and approach it from two perspectives. Number one, we must be swift. If anyone among us is overtaken, if anyone among us falls into sin, we must be swift, we must be quick in restoring such a one. Amen, Barnabas. Now, if any one of you gets a phone today, or your family member somewhere is overtaken or is overwhelmed by something, or is being defeated by something, you're going to leave this room very quickly, isn't it? somebody that you love that is near and dear to you is overwhelmed by anything they are injured, they are in an accident is overcome by anything you are going to be swift to want to know where, what, how can I do what can I do the Bible says the same here in your spiritual family if anyone among you is overtaken in a fall the Bible says we must be swift in restoring such a one. Amen, Barzalan. The second thing the Bible says, we must restore such a one in a spirit of humility or kindness or gentleness. Meekness. Gentleness. We must be gentle with people who have wandered from the truth. The Bible says we must be gentle. We must be gentle. Go higher, Bazaloni. I have a, a, a China set. Now, when I was preparing this, this message, I was drinking tea from a normal teacup. Normal ones that we buy from, I don't know where we buy these things from. I mean, but it was not a China. Now, I am a lover of hot beverages, I know them. I'm a lover of coffee, I'm a lover of tea. I know what good tea tastes like because it's the only thing I drink. As you know, I can be a lover of 
juice today. I, I don't, I don't I not, not that they do anything. I just don't enjoy them. But I'm a lover of hot beverages. So I can tell you if I drink tea from a proper China, it tastes so good. <laughs> There's a big difference. Than a normal teacup, there's nothing wrong with that. But here is an issue. So I was thinking about this thing already. If I drop this normal cup and it breaks, I'm going to look for another one. Now, I have a china at home, which I bought one Sunday afternoon. I went to the shops. These people who trade in classics and things like that, I went there, spent some money on it. I'm not going to tell you how much. But I have this child. Now I was thinking, what would happen if I were to drop this child? Now I paid for this child. If it drops and it breaks, I would be looking for super glue. Because I need to restore it. Because I paid for it. Now the second reason why I want super glue is because this china comes in a set. If one cup is broken, there's one extra sauce, and there's three other cups and three. The, 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 the order is broken. Isn't it what Morana Jesus says? He says, if if you have a hundred sheep and one goes out. Then he says, you leave the 99 because the order of the 100 is broken. You need this one to complete the set. If one among you is overtaken in a fall, Basarani is a China. A price was paid for them. The Bible says Morana Jesu has given his life for just that one soul. If it's broken, I want you to think about your own China. Whatever it is that you value so much in your house. That if it is broken, Barcelona, the three that are left, yes, I can still drink tea from them, but the set is broken. I would look for super glue to try and restore it. Didn't Walter Wick or Hawkins sing the song the potter wants to put you back together again. How does the song goes? You who are broken, stop by the potter's house. You who need mending, stop by the potter's house. The potter wants to put you back together again. You may have fallen, broken into various pieces. The potter the original manufacturer wants to put you back together again because you have been bought through a high price. The blood of Jesus was shed just for you. Even if you were the only one who was saved, it would have been worth it in the eyes of God. The Bible says, let us be gentle with them. Let us do this thing with a spirit of meekness, taking into account that a price was paid. So your soul, so you are not just an ordinary cup that was bought from Omakulengu. Where God is concerned, your soul is this wonderful piece of China that God has paid dearly for. 
So God says to us as a family, if anyone among us is overtaken in a fault, we must be swift to restore such a one. In other words, we must partner with God in this restoration business. Don't throw them away. Don't discard any soul. A price was paid for them. Now, when Peter messed up, listen to Jesus Christ's gentleness. Now, Peter denies Morana Jesu three times. And Morana Jesu gets resurrected and comes back to his guys. He asks, where is Peter? Go get Peter. Where is Peter? Go get Peter. Why? Because Peter messed up to a point where he did not have it in him to come back on his own. Somebody needed to go and fetch him and say, Morena, what? And he doesn't say, didn't I tell you? <laughs> Amen. He says to him, do you love him? Do you love me? In other words, do you agape me? Do you love me? Peter doesn't say, yes, I love you. In the Greek, he says, no, I like you. Morana Jesus says, feed my flock. Do you love me? Peter says, I like you. So Peter says, I don't love you as you expect me, but I like you. In other words, I am so down that I don't deserve your love. So I like you. Morana Jesus says, feed my flock. So Morinello keeps pulling him up three times. Gentle with him. Nowhere does he say, I told you. Nowhere does he say, you are this, you are this. He says, Amen. Not only that, within three days, Peter was restored back to where he was. He was restored, his ministry was restored. Morinello told him, feed my flock. Gentle. Amen. Amen. Here is this woman, the Bible says, is caught in, a, in, a, in an act of adultery. The Jews bring him, we caught him in an act of adultery. Hey, we caught you. So there should not be any denial. Let the facts be clear. We caught you. So don't deny anything. We caught you in an act, physically in an act. You are guilty. The law of Moses says we must kill you. But with Jesus, what do you say? Let me show you the spirit of gentleness. Now, Morana Jesu becomes hard on the accusers. And he becomes gentle on the accused. The Bible says, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one. It's not, it's not everybody who can restore people. The Bible says, you who are spiritual, who understands these things, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Morana Jesus says to these guys, if you don't have any sin, let he who does not have any sin cast the first stone. Now Morana Jesus goes, we know the story, he rides on the ground. Now I personally have studied this thing for years. I followed the best minds in Jewish culture. And all. Nobody really knows what Morana Jesus wrote there. Amen, Basil. People speculate. But I like one particular approach. It may or may not be true, but let me share it with you anyway. So the Bible, not the Bible, some people say what Morana Jesus did was to write the names of the people that the very accuser have also slept with. 
So it says, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. And then he goes and says, well, you, Jane, Mary, Amen. Maybe others were, were gay. He also wrote David there and things like that. And then when he lifted his head up, there was nobody there. Because they all read their sins. And Murnajan says, Who are they? Where are the accusers? They were gone. He says, Well, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Gently. Gently. He never asked him, Who did you sleep with? Amen? It is not in the record. Where did you sleep with him? What happened to you? Go and sin no more. A price was paid by us. So the Bible says we must be swift. The Bible says we must be gentle. We must learn Barcelona from, from footballers. Amen? I, I try not to use football examples more again because they who catch them quickly, women not so much. But this one I'm going to use a football example. The team that I support lost a match. Big, big historic match. It was a cup final. What happens in a football match if only a cup game, a knockout game, and the score is level, they go to penalties. I get balls. So you will see on TV and you must learn from football players. So when you take a penalty, when you score, your teammates, one or two of your teammates, especially the captain, goes and congratulates you. Just give you a, a, a congratulatory slap. When you miss, they do exactly the same. So they go there and congratulate you. Go there and comfort you. They go there and say, not to worry. We are all in this together. Now, in this one particular match, it was a cup final. Sundowns plays against Chiefs. Sundowns loses the match in the cup final. The captain of Sundowns goes and gives one of his players a slap. We all saw it on national TV. The captain's job was to try and encourage the penalty kickers. This guy who didn't take a penalty, he's the one who was slapped. Now, it's easy for us to criticize the captain, for he should not have done that. But I understand where the captain is coming from. The captain was saying, we are a team, we are a family here. If we lose, we lose together. You want, when we lose, it will be the five guys who took the penalties. When we win, you want to be part of the win. Because the guy was supposed to take a penalty, he decided no. If I lose, I'm going to break down. But they say, well, you, if you miss the penalty, you are part of us. Why do you see yourself outside of this thing? Amen. Here is what we need to learn. When the captain goes to a player who missed the penalty, 
He's saying to the player, you are going to get another shot. Amen? This one you missed. But you are going to get another shot. And when that moment comes from your second shot, I hope you put it away. You are going to get another. That is why the captain must go and encourage the guy. Because he's saying to him, you missed this one, but you are going to get another. How many of you know this morning because God has given you a ball again? Because Mavan and David were yesterday, you may have messed up. And God says, you are going to get another shot. Now, as a family here, we must know that. For every one of us, though we messed up, it does not matter how big we may have messed up in the cup final. God is throwing back the ball and says, another shot, try another shot. Now, if we break down the player who just missed, he's never going to take a shot. I want to thank God that he gave me a ball to kick again. God has given me a second chance. That which I didn't do right yesterday and day before yesterday, I am here to correct I got another shot. God is so gentle with me. And I want to share with you today that let's have that spirit. Firstly, of thinking of ourselves as family. Secondly, of knowing what we can't be a graveyard. We must be in an environment where we tell the truth. Because the truth sets free. We must tell you. We must tell each other. That is wrong. That is right. That is wrong. And we must do it in a way that is gentle because God has given us a ball for the second shot. So it must be the right attitude. The second thing which the Galatians teaches us, it must be the right action. Because James says here, if anyone wanders from the truth, anyone wanders from the truth. So here is the truth. The truth says this is the path we are supposed to walk. If you wander from the truth, it means you are walking elsewhere other than the path you are supposed to go. We, we, these days we have navigators in our cars. If you don't have a navigator, we use a cell phone when we get lost. And the navigator has a very interesting way amen, of giving you directions. Now, if you take a root car navigator, this is how it works. If you put it on sound so that it talks to you, for as long as you are on the right path, the navigator is quiet. If you miss a turn, it talks to you. If you are approaching a critical turn, an important turn, it warns you. For in the next 300 meters or so, turn right. Once you turn right and there's 7, 8, 9, 10 kilometers to drive, it's quiet. 
Now, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God operates the same way. If you are on the right path, everything is okay. The navigator is quiet. But at the times where you need to turn right or left and it's critical, it reminds you. Amen. What happens when it reminds you? It says turn right, but you are so hungry. And the hunger and your appetite overcomes you. And you are overtaken in your desire. And you know, you know, a kilometer down the line, there's a Nando stay. You are feeling like those breasts, those wings, those thighs, whatever it is that you want to buy, salad, you are hungry. The navigator says, where you are going, turn right in the next half a kilometer. You say, but I know, further down, there's a Nando's. I want to buy some food because I'm hungry. If you miss that turn and you go straight to your Nando's, the navigator starts talking louder. Make a U-turn. And you know you're supposed to turn. You say, shut up. I know where I'm going. And you tell the navigator, shut up in your heart. Because you are hungry. You are driven by your desire for food. Now in life, these things happen. You are supposed to turn right. You are overcome by desire. You are overcome by lust. You are overcome by all manner of worldly things. You don't turn right. The word of the Lord keeps talking to you louder and louder. You say, shut up. You come to church, you say, shut up. We preach, you say, shut up. You are talking too much. You are talking too long. The navigator is warning you. But you are overcome by your desire. But it never stops. It never stops. I want you to know, Barcelona, every time you are irritated by the word of the Lord, it is because there is something that you need to do. It means there is an area of your life that you need to change, and it is critical. When the Lord of the Lord starts shouting, talking louder and louder, it is about time to change. Ye who are spiritual, restore such a one. The navigator does not have to prove to you that it's right. The navigator will never tell you, I told you, you should have turned right. There's no proving. You must respond to the navigator. Now the truth is there to get you back onto the road. Now the Bible says we must be gentle. The reason why we must be gentle is because the Bible says if we sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us. God is faithful and just to carry that which we have done. God is faithful and just to even cover what we have done. God is faithful and just. Now I'm not faithful and just. If you do something to me, hey, 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 hey. amen. sometimes. 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 But the Bible says God 
is faithful and just. Not just to forgive you, but to cover you, to carry you. To take your sin and that which you have done, to put it as far as the east is from the west. Hmm. I once attended a, a wedding and Dumisa then was young and for some reason my wife did not attend this wedding with us. And it was in Tembisa this wedding. Nice wedding. Dumisa was young and he walks around, he walks around, he's busy walking around and after some time he starts walking funny. Amen. And he's embarrassed. He walks funny. He begins to cry. So he walks towards me and I knew what had happened. Amen. I said, what's wrong? He's crying. What's wrong? He's trying to gesture to me to say, I messed up. Amen. His mom is not there. I'm the only parent who must clean him up. I took him out. There was a room there. Shut ourselves. Cleaned him up. I battled a bit with the napkins and all of that. I cleaned him up. Took his mess. Put it in a plastic. Amen. So that I'm going to put it in the car. Throw it away. So because people saw him coming to me and he was crying. As I come back to the church where there was a wedding, they ask, what did he do? I said, nothing. He was running around freely now. He did nothing. But as a father, I know what he did. He messed up. As his father, he knew he's not going to go to anybody and tell them I messed up. He needed to come to me and I needed to leave the room. I can't clean him up there. I need to go to another room. Clean him up there. Once he's clean, I set him loose to run around again. When everybody asked what did he do, I told them he did nothing. Now, this is how God treats us in his family. And we need to treat each other like God treats us in this family. After this COVID, churches are going to be half. People would have wandered from the truth because they would have been discouraged. They would have lost jobs. They would not have had encouragement. They would not have had fellowship. They're going to wander from the truth. I can already see it. And I want to invite you to say God is in the restoration business and is inviting you and me to put on the armor of gentleness and to be ready to minister restoration to all of our brothers and sisters. You want to know how and who is spiritual? You want to know who is spiritual? The Bible says who is spiritual is not necessarily the one who speaks in tongues. 
The one who is spiritual is the one who is in the restoration business. The Bible says, you who are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness. I know somebody who is not here today. You know somebody who is not here. I know somebody who I think they are wondering now. You know somebody who is wondering. I want us to stand up, Basel. The first thing that we are going to do today is to just think about them. I know somebody. You know somebody. In fact, I know some people. And I'm going to invite you to just stand up and think about them and just locate them in your heart, in your mind, or so and so. I used to enjoy fellowship here. They have wandered or they are wandering from the truth. Let's stand up, brothers. I don't want you to do anything else. I don't want you to do anything else. I don't want you to go visit them. I don't want you to go pray for them. That will come. All I want you to do is to think about them. Just, just let them come into your head and say, uh-uh. Muzalani, oh, no. It's not doing right. The second thing I want you to think about is what does gentleness mean to you and for them? What does it mean? If you are going to be gentle, what is it, what is it that you're going to do? All I want you to do, Bazalani, is to think about it. Just to think about it. If you are going to meet him tomorrow, if you're going to meet him next week, what are you going to do? What is the first thing that you're going to do? What does this gentleness mean for you? How are you going to partner God in the restoration business? What are you going to do? That's all I want you to do, brothers. That's all I want you to do. Father, we thank you for your word. Let it fulfill its mission. Let it fulfill its purpose. Let your glory draw men unto you as we lift you up, heavenly Father. Help us, Heavenly Father. Give us strategies. Give us the attitudes. Give us the actions that are required to join you and partner you, Heavenly Father, in your restoration business. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.